Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. All right, let's get down to business. My name is Mel Butcher. It's 2021, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. We're off to a bit of a rough start in the U.S., but the show must go on. So it's January when we're releasing this, and January is mentoring month. We have a few discussions lined up on mentoring, and we're kicking off with this Mentorship 101 discussion where I interview Michelle Redfern. I learned a lot going through this with Michelle, especially from her story about one of her protégés towards the end. So you'll want to stick around for that bit. Without further ado, this is Mel Butcher, and I bring you my Mentorship 101 interview with Michelle Redfern. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be here again. One Monday we'll actually be in a room together, hopefully with a lovely glass of rosé. One day we'll make it happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so January is mentoring month and we are talking about mentoring in a, a lot of different capacities and on today's show we wanted to talk just sort of mentoring 101. So why don't we start just at the very basic level? How would you define mentoring? What is mentoring? So mentoring for me, and I'm, I'm a, for those of you who've watched my mentoring uh, workshop, I am reasonably particular about what is coaching and what is mentoring. And the reason that I'm, I'm particular about it is that I also have some beliefs about who can be a mentor and who is a coach. So a mentor is someone who shares their wisdom, their knowledge, and their experience of 
you know, in, in our context, career, leadership, work with someone else. Now, in the olden days, that used to be someone more junior. But as I've also talked about, I very much enjoy being mentored by people who are less ancient than me because they teach me about stuff that I need to learn about, i.e. Mel mentoring me around podcasting, which is very, very good. So mentoring is I have a, a set of skills, knowledge, wisdom and experience and I share that with my mentee or protege uh, to help them achieve the goals that they have set for themselves. Let's talk a little bit about some mentoring myths. So you you busted one just there that the mentoring relationship is not always, you know, an older or more experienced person mentoring someone younger. It can come from a lot of different directions, uh, even peer mentoring. So what's another myth that you might bust about mentoring? I am also particular about bosses are not your primary mentors. Now, I do hear often people say my boss is my mentor and I go, so there's a couple of things in that for me that are problematic. Number one, your boss needs to coach you and I want bosses to be more particular about coaching, which is really them doing 10% of the talking and the me as the person being coached doing 90% of the of the talking and the doing, whereas mentoring is much, much different in terms of the ratio of who talks and who listens. And bosses, are they're responsible for, for you fulfilling the duties of your role. They're responsible for developing you to reach your full potential in your role and whatever the next role is. They're responsible for you achieving the goals that the company deems as important. And Whilst there may be an element of mentoring in there, it's coaching and it's leadership and it's management. And I would highly recommend that if someone says, my boss is my only mentor, that they expand their horizons and seek a mentor who's not in their reporting line and can help help that person navigate some of the dynamics that are often in the reporting line, which clearly a boss couldn't do. So that's kind of a, a, a bit roundabout, but I am, I'm fairly particular about your boss is not your mentor. And that leads me on to another myth that I want to bust. And it's whether, no, it's actually not a myth. It's actually bad advice. And bad advice is, hey, I'm your boss. We're having your performance evaluation. We're having a career discussion. Hey, Mel, get a mentor. That's my career advice to you. Well, that's really lazy. And my advice uh, to bust that particular myth, I give a woman um, feedback that she needs a mentor and that's the end of, you know, here endeth my career conversation. I want women to say, okay, I- I'm happy to seek out a mentor. Where do you particularly see that my skills need to be honed or built up that a mentor can help me with? So who should be mentoring me and why? Because then I can be very, very targeted about the person that I seek out to be my mentor. I want to bust something that I come across regularly as an engineer. So I talk to young professionals in STEM quite a bit. And one of the things that I emphasize with them when we're talking about mentoring is mentoring is not all about your technical mentorship. 
there are many aspects, many domains of your career where you might need mentorship. It could be your communications. It could be help navigating a political environment internal to your company. It could be mentoring in a way to help you understand a client's needs better. Uh, So these sort of different domains are something that, that I like to emphasize and that sort of leads to mentors can be internal or external to your organization. For sure. And irrespective of whether they're internal or external, the, the, the core question for me is why do you want to be mentored? Someone's just told you to get a mentor. That is not good enough. Why? So if I think about my own career, and we have talked about this particular instance sometime or in a couple of episodes ago, when I catapulted from one company to another and changed my career direction slightly, I suddenly became (laughs) acutely aware of a deficit in some of my skills around financials. And I quickly obtained a mentor fortunately that mentor didn't uh, wasn't too far away from me because it's my wife my now wife but I knew I needed someone to both coach and mentor me and continue to mentor me through a skill gap that I had and that was that was really important now if I'd jumped into that organization and someone had said to me get a mentor and I've just gone all right well I'll go and find someone to have coffee with and some really interesting chats and we'll form a lovely relationship and that that is nice don't get me wrong but it wouldn't have done anything about addressing the particular area that I needed to address and I agree with you Mel sometimes it's not around technical skills it can be around you know, how, if I think about another bit of feedback that I got very early in my career, which was, Michelle, you have great potential. You are a very, very good leader. Something you need to work on is that your face is like an open book. And when you're sitting at a leadership table, perhaps you may wish to uh, not let everyone know exactly what you think of them by the look on your face and the tone of your voice and things like that. So that person was giving me advice and better advice would have been, here's someone that I'd like you to meet with on a semi-regular basis for the next period of time to just knock off those rough edges. That would have been better (laughs) advice. Yeah. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. So should we get into cake versus pie mentoring? Oh, yes, please. Okay. Yes. All right. So Susan, one of our wonderful co-founders of A Career That Soars, she wrote a book called Make the Most of Mentoring, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. In the book, she introduces the concept of cake and pie. So cake and pie as acronyms. And cake stands for confidence. And the A is aptitude, attitude, and advice. The K is for connection, and the E is for encouragement. Michelle, tell us, why are these things grouped together as cake? They are cake, and and yes, I know that connections doesn't start with a K, but it's, as Susan says in the book, it's a great acronym, and and C-A-C-E means completely something completely different in another language, but anyway. They're grouped together because that is the advice, that is the style of advice, the style of mentoring, training, coaching and development that women typically receive. In fact, we know that 97% 
of career advice that is given to women falls into those categories. And what it, I want to talk about what it is not, what it does not have in there is the missing 33%. What it does not have is how to hone your skills and develop them and, and demonstrate your business strategic and financial acumen. Doesn't have uh, all of the elements around your image as a leader and many other things, which of course is, is our pie and we can talk about that. And for most women that I have worked with both within a career that soars and in other capacities, when I run an exercise saying, please Hello, dear listener. We had a little bit of audio trouble here, so I just need to speak this part that cut out that Michelle said. So picking up where she left off, an exercise saying, please tell me about the mentoring experiences that you've had, and I get women to describe them. They are, in fact, describing cake mentoring. And when you consider that, when you combine that with the career, the best career advice I've ever received is and it doesn't contain the missing 33%, we know that this is another area to pay attention to if you want to ascend into, particularly into senior executive and uh, C-suite roles. So cake is what most of us have, have had over the course of our careers. Okay. So let's talk about the, the flip side for a moment. So our other acronym is PI. And yep. that stands for performance, image, and exposure. And so we can break each of those down a little bit more. When we say performance, we're talking about performance of the business. And when we say image, we mean image as a leader. And when we say exposure, we mean exposure to how decisions are made in the business, exposure to job assignments. And exposure to people who can make a difference. So let's just let's just go a little deeper into each of these. Um, start wherever you want, and yeah, let's couch it in the the missing thirty three percent. Yeah, and the, you know, I actually want to start with the I because, and funnily enough, you and I were talking about this subject just this week, Mel, around image. This is not how to dress for success image, uh, how to style, be fashion forward, all that kind of stuff. Uh, image of a leader. If anyone's ever given you the advice, mm, you need to get some more executive presence. This is what we're talking about. So what is executive presence? Executive presence is the ability to demonstrate that you know the business of the business, that you know how to make decisions, that you are able to well, it is, it's, it's about engaging the greatness in others, but also aligning them towards the business's strategic and financial goals through your excellent communication skills, your excellent networking skills. So executive presence is a whole bunch of things, the language you use, the way you use it, when you use it, and to whom, which brings me to the E and the exposure piece. Exposure to decisions decision-making and decision-makers. The story about George Vecchioni in the book is one of my all-time favourite stories out of all of the work that Susan and I do together because he had textbook pie mentoring and one of the, the great components of it was that his mentor exposed him to executive and boardroom decision-makers, decision-making and got him involved in it. So not just shadowing, but 
having an opportunity to to observe and then participate in the strategic decision making processes that occur at the most senior level. And exposure to is, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So it's getting you ready for, I have a protege and I'm getting her ready for the next big thing. Now that next big thing might be my job. It also, it might be an assignment. And if I think about an example in my own career with the CEO of the company at the time, wasn't my direct boss at the time, a woman called Denise Pitt. She was grooming me from the minute I joined her company, the same company where I had to work out really quickly that I needed to get better with numbers, but she was grooming me from the start for bigger and better things. I didn't actually know that, but in hindsight, I look back. So I was brought into and exposed to concepts. I was exposed to client meetings. I was exposed to pricing models. I was exposed to executive level communications and discussions and decision-making. She was getting me ready. She was not only getting me ready, she was getting other people ready for me. So bringing me into the room and saying, you know, indicating this person is with me and she is a star on the rise. We need to build her. She has potential. We need to build on that potential and help her reach her full potential because she is going to help our company reach its full potential. So that's, there's so much in that and it's so rich. And so for the the women who are listening, who are mentoring other women, this is a really critical part of mentoring that is not taught well enough. Mentoring is not having a coffee once a month with someone and sharing your your life experience and agonizing over and what have you. And and look, I don't mean to be pejorative or anything like that, but career mentoring, strategic mentoring is getting you ready to lead at the next level and the next level. And when it's strategic, it is getting you exposed to those people that make the decisions and also getting them exposed to you. Another way is, another example is think about the times when a colleague, and this is where this can happen at any level, whether it's a peer, whether it's a colleague in another division. Uh, In fact, I've got an example I'm going to use in a moment from a group of women I've, I've been working with in one of Australia's biggest companies. When they say to you, hey, it would be really great for you to come and present to my team. I'd really like to have you present what your work is to my team who are bunch of stakeholders I know it's aligned to your career goals to be exposed to these people let's get you in front of them you know that is that is exposure as well so the group of women I've just been working with uh, in in my own business we give them an opportunity to be exposed to decision makers decision making but we give executives in charge of this company and an opportunity to be exposed to these women and their capability and their potential. So they have projects to do that are strategic imperatives for the organisation. They have to come up with a, a recommendation about a problem statement that they've been given over a period of three months and then they present essentially to a shark tank of, of EGMs, of executive general managers in this organisation. It does many, many things. The women have to, to create think critically about the problem they're trying to solve, present something really well, but they also, they have to be compelling, but we are elevating their profile and getting them ready to be in that room, but we're getting those executives ready to have those women in the room as well. So there's there's all sorts of different ways that exposure uh, can work. 
One of the things that I want to get at, and I, I guess I want to kind of go go here before we go where a lot of conversations start, and that is how to be a good mentor. You know, mm-hmm. we we have all these discussions around find a mentor, get one, make sure you do this. But for, I mean, we have a lot of different women listening, and many of them are going to have some experience, and they're going to be in a position to mentor how would you recommend they begin thinking about doing that in a, in a really impactful way? Mm. I really appreciate that question, Mel, because I get very bent out of shape when I'm asked to run a mentoring program for an organization that does not involve coaching and training and mentoring the mentors. Uh, Because I certainly know from my own mentor experiences when I've mentored others, if I look back from some time ago, I was fairly clueless and thought because I'm senior, I've got a, this is the way you mentor. It was absolutely not the way you mentor. Well, it wasn't pie mentoring. So I would like the potential, the current and potential mentors on listening to this to think about why am I mentoring this person? Is she is she coming to me for cake or pie? If she's coming to me for cake, is that really what she needs? What are her career aspirations? What are the company's aspirations for her, particularly if you're in the same company and and perhaps you've been assigned to this person through a company mentoring program or a a talent program? I, I want you to think about what she really needs versus what she might ask. And she will ask for cake mentoring in probably 95% plus of cases because that is what she's used to asking for because we know that women are washed with all of the same kind of advice. So I want mentors to think about what do we really need her to do? What are her gaps and how might I help her close them? I'd like you to think about the missing 33%. Ask her about her business strategic and financial acumen. Now, For those of you who are really serious about being an excellent mentor, you must read No Ceilings, No Walls. And I can tell you now from memory on page 51, there is an excellent self-assessment for you and your mentee or protege to discuss together, which will highlight where her opportunities are. So it's about being deliberate and intentional. Please mentor women on the missing 33%, what their missing 33% is. Now, some of that's going to be, some women will go, you know, strategy is my Achilles heel. Some are going to say finance is my Achilles heel. So, so get to the heart of what is, what does she need to do more of? And what do, what do you need to do as a mentor? What do you need to do less of? And you need to do less cake and more pie. Anyway, that's a bit preachy, but business strategic and financial acumen, where is, where are her gaps? What is her potential? How do we help? How do you help her realise that potential uh, for the organisation? And it, you know, she'll she'll get enough encouragement and confidence building and all the other stuff. She'll get enough cake without you diving into that as well. So, and and I certainly know from the mentors that I've worked with. There will be times when they go, gee, it's much more comfortable to go back to cake, Michelle. I've had that, Michelle, it's so much more comfortable. It's easier to do cake, particularly single gender, so women-to-women mentoring relationships. 
um, please hold the hold the rudder and and stick to pie. It, it will be good for you too. It is a terrific reverse learning experience for mentors to focus on building the business strategic and financial acumen of another woman. For mentors, for, for the men listening to this podcast, I certainly hope a few tune in at some point. There are gender, no, there are definitely gender dynamics that come to play in cross-gender mentoring. I want you to be awake to that and I want you to be alive to it and, and pay attention to how you might mentor a woman versus how you might mentor a man, formally or informally. We know that men mentor men about the business of the business. We know that men mentor women to give them confidence and encouragement. So take a step back and those, as I said, that page 51 of No Ceiling, No Walls is a great starting off point. And then in Make the Most of Mentoring, the book has 10 questions 10 questions you can ask or 10 topics to discuss with your protege mentor, uh, mentee, I should say, or, or mentor. So it's a great book for both mentors and mentees to say, oh, if I'm having an aha moment right now going, oh, God, this woman's telling me I haven't been a very good mentor all my life. You have. But now we want you to, to put it onto steroids and, and help close that leadership gender gap by mentoring women with pie mentoring, strategic mentoring. Yeah, I'd really just like to drive home the point that you're getting at here that as a woman, I get lots of advice and there's tons of material out there to help me, quote, build my confidence. And you can sit there and pat me on the back all day long and that might make you feel good. But in reality, my true confidence is going to come from the fact that I get to the next level and I can't get to the next level if I don't have the missing 33%, the business strategic and financial acumen. And that's what you're saying about this division often happens unconsciously, I think in yep. most cases, where men who want to be helpful, they find themselves gravitating towards helping the woman with confidence and helping the men with business of the business. Absolutely. And then, then there's a bucket load of stuff that goes with that. But however, and what I'd really like to, to emphasise again is that it's to help her reach her full potential in the organisation. Now, that might be right now. That might be how, how does she become more effective at conveying her ideas in a team meeting? How can she be more effective delivering a project status update that has more red and amber than green to a set of serious stakeholders? How can she be more effective in convincing a supplier to join, you, you know, your contract terms? How can she be more effective with customers and be compelling because she gets it, she gets why customers are important? So, you can be a strategic mentor to help her right now and it will help her build confidence. I can, my own experience is that when I, and I know I focus on the numbers because that was absolutely my Achilles heel. But when I, when I just started to discover the missing, my missing 33%, i.e. how to read a profit and loss, how to make decisions or understand how decisions were made because I could see the story of the finances were telling me, 
guess what I was able to do? Participate more fully in strategy meetings, participate more fully in contract negotiations, give my ideas to the organisation and help the organisation grow. That's confidence. I didn't need any more confidence about how to talk, (laughs) as anyone can probably imagine. But gee whiz, I started to believe the stuff that came out of my mouth because it, it was... I was confident. I was confident in my knowledge about the business of the business. And that's what giving confidence is all about, business, strategic and financial acumen. Yes, I'm very animated, Mel, because I get, <laughs> I'm get i very animated about this. <laughs> it's one of those topics. Okay, I want to talk for just a minute about mentorship programs in companies. And I'd just like to get a quick take from you on where do these programs often go wrong? And this is important for both the protégés and the mentors to understand because either way, you need to be cognizant of it so that you can correct in your own interactions. Yep. And it's also, you know, I I would like HR and OD uh, directors and and executives to be a wake-up to this as well uh, without sounding too patronising. So where do they go wrong? Firstly, they go wrong because the matching process is uh, not necessarily based on a, a needs analysis. Yeah, we're, we're, we're matching based on a whole bunch of stuff that is not relevant. So, for example, I, in fact, I'm running a mentoring program right now for one of the largest privately held companies in Australia and one of the most critical components of the matching process is saying, what are my top three career needs? What are my top three skills development, uh, skills that I need to, to develop from the mentees? So they, they need to be able to articulate, where am I going and what do I need to do more of or get of, get some of to get me there? From the mentors who have applied to be mentors in the program, What are your skills that you would prefer to be mentoring people on and or women on? And how and then we use that to match. So a skills match at the at the outset is absolutely critical. And then we look at cross-divisional, so not reporting lines and a whole things like that. So the matching process is a critical, critical part. But again, it is so often. Uh, when I've, I've come into organisations or worked with, with individual women or my own experiences, there is very little about the missing 33%. There is very little about how do we identify, number one, identify the women to be a part of this program. Number two, how do we identify their aspirations? Number three, how do we identify the gaps? And Because we need to do a, a bit of a, you know, what's the correlation between all three? And then how do we then give her the opportunity to work with a mentor who's going to help her build on what she's already good at, but also close those gaps around business strategic and financial acumen? I don't see necessarily that work being done before before we even go out to the organisation to say, let's run a mentoring program. Why are we doing this? Because we want more women in leadership. Why aren't there more women in leadership? Well, let's let's understand what the what's going on for this company. But we know that women have either got the skills, so they've got business strategic and financial acumen, and they are not demonstrating it effectively enough, 
or they don't have the skill and therefore they cannot demonstrate it. So those those two identification pieces are critical before anything happens. So for me, that's the biggie why they get derailed. The second one is mentors are thrown in the deep end and said, here you go, here's your protege, your mentee for the next six months, 12 months, off you go. Okay, crickets, right? Now we're all we're all having that awkward first conversation. And will this work or won't it? Let's hope like hell the chemistry works. But I know I'm very senior and I know I've got an executive career and I'm extraordinarily skilled and talented and accomplished and I've got credentials, but I have no idea what to talk to this woman about. I'll let her kind of come in and tell me all about what she wants and I'll just give her what she wants. Or the flip side is I'll just share everything about my life story and my career, whether she needs it or not. Now, and and as I said, I don't want to be derogatory, but we haven't given mentors enough support, guidelines, a run sheet, a playbook, whatever you want to call it, to say this is what what we want you to do. And then the third thing is what are the outcomes we're going to get from this program? How are we going to measure our success? Do we just keep doing a program every year and hope like hell it, it helps? Helps what? So how are we going to measure it? What are the outcomes that are going to be created as a result of this program? How do we set those targets? How do we measure it? And not just at the end, we measure progressively throughout because things will sometimes can drift off course. So what does success look like and how are you going to measure it and how are you going to manage it and how are you going to monitor it as a custodian of a corporate mentoring program? My experience is that There are certainly organisations that are doing that well, but they are in the minority. That wasn't short, Mel, sorry. (laughs) I want you and I to speak next to the younger professionals to women who are looking for mentors. And I'm going to start with an observation, and then I'm going to read a little little piece from Susan's book. In recent years, I have seen it come up over and over at the companies that I've worked at that the, the message goes up the food chain that the young professionals want mentoring, and they want more mentoring. And sometimes, depending on who conveys the message and how it gets conveyed, sometimes it's perceived as the young professional wanting things handed to them on a platter. And the issue is the perception. So Mm. we have to think about how we're communicating what we're asking for And are we asking the right people? And what I want to read from Susan's book, Make the Most of Mentoring, is what's called the protege commitment. So this is written from the perspective of, I'm a protege, I'm a mentee, and this is the commitment that I make to my company. So I'm going to read this verbatim from the book, and then you and I will chat from there. So the protege commitment is, 
I recognize that it is an honor and privilege to participate in this program and that it is an awesome responsibility because the mentoring program exists to serve the organization's needs for leadership. I commit to my mentor to develop the business strategic and financial acumen I need to contribute to the organization at higher levels and in different functions, and therefore more effectively in my current position. I also commit to my mentor to work on my personal greatness and enhance my interpersonal skills. I realize that fundamentally, the organization's mentoring program is not about me and that there are no guarantees that my participation will result in a promotion. My participation is about testing my potential to contribute. My participation is about proving myself worthy of my mentor's advocacy. And perhaps most importantly, my participation is about being worthy of entering a pool of leaders prepared to contribute at higher levels. So when I first read this, I felt like that was incredibly powerful. And I think it speaks to how a potential mentee, a potential protege should be approaching leadership with their desire to be mentored. What do you think about that? I want to make a couple of comments about mentoring. Women are over-mentored and under-promoted. And what I see is too often that the career advice, get a mentor, is, or let's do a mentoring program, or I want to be mentored, is code for I want to be promoted. I am ambitious and I, I want to have a career here. I want to advance. I want to lead at the next level, whatever that may be. So I think mentoring is part of a range of strategies that a woman with a career plan can call upon. Mentoring is part of a range of strategies that organisations and individual leaders can call upon to help advance more women. It is not the be-all and end-all. However, in saying that, when the mentoring relationship starts, there's two, oh, there's more than two things. There's a, there's a couple of things that for mentees, protégés, it's really important for them to pay attention to. The first thing is what you've just said. There is a, it is a commitment by them. And my very quick way of saying to, to any mentees in, in a mentoring program when I do kickoffs with them is you've got to do the heavy lifting here. You are, this is not a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be served to you on a silver platter. You've got to do the heavy lifting. And part of that heavy lifting is having that mindset shift. I am a leader. I am a leader and I'm going to jump into, understand my personal greatness, but I'm also going to do the work that is required for me to lead at the next level and the next level. I am going to do the work to demonstrate that I am for the business, that I am, that I am a leader and a, uh, a good citizen of this organisation. And to do the work means that you make a commitment to this, to this relationship that, that you have either entered into of your own volition, 
someone has nominated you for or you have found yourself in it, but do the work and that, that mindset shift, I commit to this as part of my development to get me ready to lead at the next level and the next level is important. As a mentor, there is nothing more frustrating than the reluctant mentee. Now, the reluctant mentee comes in a few different forms. Go and get a mentor. I've found you and I've had one. Michelle, so-and-so, my peer told me to get mentored by you. Okay, right, so let's go. Doesn't book meetings, doesn't do the work, doesn't come prepared, uh, you know, it's and and a lot of hard work for me as a mentor. No, not not, not has not made that that shift that mindset shift. I am a leader, um, or I'm not clear about my career goals yet, and that's okay if you're not c- clear about your career goals. Or I'm actually just not, you know, it's my stage of life. What's going on for me in the world now is not the right time. Thank you so much for considering me for a mentoring relationship. This is not the right time for me for a whole range of reasons. Be brave enough to say this is not for me at the moment because if your heart's not in it and you cannot commit, it's going to become pretty evident to the mentor or you're going to bend yourself out of shape and be very, very unhappy and end up being resentful about what should be a very, very rich experience. And then there's just the bewildered... (laughs) Mm, I'm kind of here and I'm not entirely sure. I'll see where this takes me. No. So that mindset shift is so important that and that commitment articulates perfectly what's required of you. And I can't be more, I can't be clearer. If your heart and your spirit and your head are not 100% committed to this mentoring relationship, and when I say relationship, it can be short a short, sharp, you know, three months, six months to, to tap into a particular skill gap or longer or, you know, whatever duration you, you, you've required, but you must commit. And, and that, as you say, Mel, living up begins in your mind first and that, that internal shift, that internal identity shift. I am a leader with potential who will be in service to this company and this is part of how I serve. This is part of how I really polish my leadership brand it's such an important important commitment to make yes i really appreciate that so in the, in the us i don't know if you you have this in australia but we talk about um playing a game of chicken where two cars are kind of running towards each other to see who veers off first sometimes yep. i feel like young professionals are kind of like playing chicken with their employer like you give me mentoring no you you make your own mentoring happen like yeah the choice to step up to the plate is always there and mm. i think what i want to say is this sort of message that Seth Godin says he says it's always your turn it's yeah. always your turn mm. or uh, the message that Stephen Thomas who is my best friend in western australia said to me once when i was having a bit of a oh, God, you know, I love my boss, but God, he's hopeless. You know, he doesn't develop me. He's not doing this. And he goes, Michelle, really? You know what you want? Go and get it. If you can't find it with him, go and get it. Seriously, you're an executive. I shouldn't be having this conversation with you. Yep. Hitch your wagon to somebody who's going to the top, 
And if totally. It's, if, if you can't, can't find what you need where you are, go and find it or create it, you know, which is why a career that soars exists because we know that not every woman can get what she needs within her current workplace and it is here. And, and you know, this is where I'm going to make an unashamed plug for a career that soars. This is where women can step into their greatness and say, this is what I need, a courageous ask. I need this now from this community because, my goodness, every single time a woman asks for something in that community, it is answered in spades. And whilst, you know, there, there may be the, the purists, of which I said I was one, but the purists say, that's not mentoring. It is. It's peer mentoring. It's community mentoring. It's group mentoring. It is the sharing of wisdom and expertise to help someone close a gap. So do it. <laughs> and to that, I'd add, no matter what stage in your career, you have something to give on that front too. So we would love to have you join the community and have you share your your answers and perspectives when other women ask, when they make their courageous asks. So Absolutely. Before we, well, I mean, look, so sorry, Mel, but yeah, yeah. look at look at my conversation with Emily McKee last month, twenty six years old, uh, mental me. Um, even though she laughs, she goes, "No, I don't." Okay, you do. <laughs> she she is a mentor to people double. Well, I feel like I'm almost triple her age, not quite. But anyway, um, she is a mentor to many people. She is twenty six. She is at the start of a of a career, but. Boy, oh boy, she's got wisdom to share. Uh, so way on in. You know, we've all got lived experience in stuff, our own stuff. And one thing I learned, and I learned through some life experiences, sometimes when you feel like you're the only one, that can become this repeat track in your head. I'm the only one who's experiencing this. Putting it out there, you suddenly go, oh, man, there's, oh, I'm not the only one who's experiencing this, felt that, had to navigate that. And even if there's not an immediate solution, knowing that there's a colleague or a peer or another woman out there who's had that similar experience can be quite gratifying or, or supportive. Yeah. And that's, that, that is hugely important. What I want to wrap on here is you've mentored a lot of women over the years I wonder if you could describe a few of the things that have made your protégés really good. So hmm. when so what does it look like to be a good prepared protégé? I have a story that is an example from my perspective of of the perfect protégé. I was doing a speaking gig and and I was still employed uh, so before I, I had my business. And a young woman in, in the audience, uh, so I finished the speaking gig and we were gathering at the back and I had a few people talking to me and there was a, a, a young woman who waited patiently and then said, Michelle, I'd like to have a conversation with you because you are my ideal mentor. Now I'd, I'd like to have the conversation with you about exploring that opportunity, whether that's going to work for you and for me. I've already messaged your PA to find us some time in your diary in the next fortnight to have an exploratory conversation. I'm going to come to the meeting with what I need to be mentored on so that you can have a think about it. And in the meantime, I'm going to send you a couple of things 
explain to you more about who I am. One was a, a mini career summary and the other was, was her, um, uh, her, her curriculum vitae, her CV. I come to the first meeting. She said, this is what, these are my gaps. Uh, here's what I want to be mentored on. This is why you are the person for me because I see this, this, this and this in you and I think that you can help me with those. My proposal to you is that we would meet once a month um, and we worked in different buildings. She said, I will come to you. I will work with your PA to get time in your diary. It will just happen seamlessly and all I want you to do is help me. And I sat there like a goldfish thinking, this is perfect. She was, she did the work. I did not write anything down ever. <laughs> she would write everything down. She would ask for you know, um, more data or, you know, particular things I would, you know, was I pie mentoring? I think there was, there were elements of it. I think I could have dialed it up. Um, had I known what I know now, I would have perhaps done some things, but we did do, we, we had a very, very fruitful relationship. I know she benefited from it, but gee whiz, she was so well prepared. And it honestly, for me, it was joyful. And I saw her through two job changes, having a baby, Coming back to work, uh, just absolutely terrific experience. And for me, that was textbook. From a mentor perspective, it was textbook. I so appreciate that answer. I've, I've never heard of anyone taking such a calculated approach. Uh, and, and I mean that in the most positive sense. I can reflect in my own experience when I've had young engineers approach me when they want to have a conversation about something, the people who approach me and they've at least read my LinkedIn profile and they ask me specific questions and they ask me for a specific amount of time, I can help them. Absolutely. But when I get approached with something vague, then I'm it, it's nebulous and I don't know, you know, Okay, I I get that you just graduated, but how how can I help you? That's right, and they've got to, we've got to be ready. So people are more than willing to help, but I'm not willing to to map out your whole life for you. I can't do that. So my my standard. So particularly when I was still in corporate, and and you know I, I saw that mentoring, particularly mentoring up and coming women, was part of my job. It was my duty. Uh, uh, and I still do this. You know, this is why I have a career and other things. But if someone says, I want to be mentored by you, Michelle, my first question is, why do you want to be mentored by me? What do you think you will get from this relationship? What do you think I will get from this relationship? And, and I want them to be thoughtful about it. And, and sure, I accept that there will be women who have been told, go and talk to Michelle Redfern, she'll mentor you. Uh, not so much these days, but certainly when I was an executive. And I say, I know you've been given that advice, but now here are the three questions. Please go away and come back to me. And if you come back and say, actually, I don't, I don't think this is going to work and I don't think I should have asked you, that's great. But if you come back and you've been thoughtful and you can articulate the whys, let's go and here are my expectations. And I know I sound like a bit of a hard ass, um, but... You know, I'm giving up my time and my wisdom and, you know, and I'm investing a lot. I invest a lot emotionally in this as well. So this is not a clinical 
kind of tick the box. This is a meeting I do once a month. That's just part of it. I invest because I become very emotionally invested in the success of that person. And we know that particularly pie mentoring can turn into sponsorship. When I can see a woman who is taking on board the mentoring that I'm giving her, she's doing the work and I start giving her exposure to and putting my brand on the line for her by connecting her to and with and taking her with me, you know, that's, I am really invested in making sure that that woman succeeds. So I want her to be equally, if not more invested. And I don't know that we have those tough enough conversations at the start. And, you know, mentors get trapped into these relationships like, oh my God, what am I going to (laughs) do? To that end, I just want to add this concept that Powerful people are busy. Yeah. That doesn't mean that no one wants to help you, but the difference in how the woman you described approached you is that she made it easy for you and she did the legwork to work with your assistant to get time on the schedule. She didn't she didn't ask you to do any of that legwork. And that was the right move because powerful people are busy. I could turn up and be great. That's all I had to do was to be great for her. And it is really, that is such an important thing. But she was so committed. You know, it was just so evident that she was committed to herself and that she was doing this. And she wasn't part of any corporate program. She was very, very clear. I I, I guess what I want women to think about now or pay attention to is if you're told to get a mentor, please ask why. What do I need? What are the gaps I need to close? Because then I can be very, very deliberate. And there's this little kid's book where the little bird's running around looking for its mother. I think it's a duck, but it, it goes around to all these other different birds. Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? And sometimes it fit for, for mentors, it feels like, will you be my mentor? Will you be my mentor? You think, oh, no, I can't. Please give me some parameters. Please give me some, please make it so compelling for me that I so want to mentor you. I do want to mentor. It is part of my duty as a leader, irrespective of who pays my wage. It is my duty. But I want I want it to be reciprocal and I want it to be, I want the, there to be mutual levels of investment. I think that's a great note for us to end on. We're going to have several more conversations around mentoring that we'll we'll publish in Lead to Soar in the month of January for Mentoring Month. And then, of course, there's also discussions and some other sessions happening inside a career that soars. So, Michelle, I want to thank you again for joining me and having this conversation today. Oh, pleasure, Mel. As always, you you get me fired up and animated about the things that I am very passionate about. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar. Thank you.